Thank you for tuning in to Summary Judgment, where Austin personal injury attorneys Josh Fogelman and Aaron Von Flater of FBF Law discuss the ins, outs, and in-betweens of personal injury cases. Welcome back to Summary Judgment, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Josh Fogelman, and I'm here with my co-founding partner, Aaron Von Flater. Today, we want to talk about what options are available for people who don't have health insurance to get medical treatment after they have been hurt in a car wreck or another injury causing event. Uh, and Aaron, I know that the law in this area is a little bit complicated and it's gotten even more complicated in light of a recent Supreme Court decision in Ray Allstate. Um, what, what's going on in the law with this? Yeah, so this, this topic is just kind of an excuse for us to talk about this new case from the Texas Supreme Court that has uh, torpedoed some of the options that a lot of injured parties uh, have um, and at least made it more difficult. And that's kind of why we wanted to, to have an informal unstructured conversation about it because uh, it's tricky, right? So in the past, if someone didn't have uh, health insurance, their best option would be to sort of broker a deal with the, or, or to get into a deal with the medical providers that they have to essentially treat on credit and then hopefully be able to pay those providers out of the eventual settlement of the case. And the providers would get on board with that pretty quickly. Um, some of them would, uh, because what they could do in that situation is, is charge something closer to their sticker price. So we all know you get a medical bill, it comes in at $300, they send it into the, the health insurance company and it gets reduced down to $70, right? Well, you know, in, in this treating on credit situation, a lot of times the bill would end up being like around 150. So it's like more than, you know, what the adjusted health insurance price is, not quite the regular sticker price. And that would make the doctors happy. They had to wait on their money, but just like a bank that, you know, charges interest, they're just going to charge a little more and they make up for it and they take that risk and they're happy and they're fine. Um, and that's how you would do it if you, if you didn't have health insurance. Now, uh, the Texas Supreme Court has handed down this NRA Allstate case, which uh, has made the, uh, the way you prove up medical bills a little, a little trickier and has made it uh, a lot more likely that the jury can only see that health insurance rate. So that means, you know, all settlements are predictions of what happens in trial. And that means that when you go to settle a case, you're settling it on that insurance rate. Now, if that's true, that means the settlement's gonna be smaller. Uh, it also means your ability to, to pay that doctor out of a settlement, which not all settlements are great. A lot of them are, some of them are compromises. And so if you're in that compromised state, it gets difficult to pay the doctor what the doctor really wants. And that means ultimately that the doctors are less willing to enter into this deal. Josh, I'll let you take it take it from there as to what that practically means. Yeah, and like you said, Aaron, you know, the problem that we're dealing with here is you have kind of a select group of medical providers who understand the business of how they can go about contributing to the community by offering healthcare on credit and taking that risk of not only delayed payment, but in some many instances non-payment at all, uh, yep. but taking that risk and, and being there uh, as a network to provide medical care to those people who 
through no fault of their own, find themselves in need of medical treatment and either completely without the financial resources to secure that medical treatment, like no health insurance, or even those people who have health insurance but might be financially burdened by things like co-pays and deductibles, didn't have to worry about that financial burden. You could focus on getting the care that they needed in order to get better and get back to work and start putting their lives back together. And for years, the courts have sort of struggled with how do we account for the fact that medical providers and just the way that our medical system works as a whole in America, you know, medical providers charge a lot of money, but then they negotiate these contracts with the big health insurance providers, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, United Healthcare, where instead of getting paid what they charge, they accept a pretty huge reduction, like you mentioned, Aaron, in order to guarantee prompt payment of claims. They take less money, but they get paid on time. They have access to the whole network of those insurance companies, patients or insureds. So there's benefit there. And so the way that the businesses had developed uh, sort of in the letter of protection is what we call it when, when a medical provider provides treatment on credit to a car crash victim or, or another accident victim, uh, they learned how to sort of account for those risks and, and balance it and be able to make a viable business out of it. Now, with what happened in, in Ray Allstate is we used to have this really simple way that the, the plaintiffs, claimants who were hurt used to have this really efficient way to prove that the medical care that they had received as a result of an accident uh, was both necessary and that the charges that they had incurred for those medical bills were reasonable. And the legislature actually provided this tool for, for the court system as a whole because it dramatically lessened the amount of fighting that went on and the burden on the doctors by letting you prove up those medical bills with, with a simple affidavit filled out by the doctor's office, instead of having to bring the doctor away from treating patients and depose them or schedule a trial around the doctor's availability. And effectively what Inray Allstate did is gutted that statute. It, it basically really created an opportunity for auto insurance companies who are unhappy with the amount of a victim's medical expenses to create enough procedural headache to make it very difficult for the letter of protection-based business to continue to be viable in Texas, which is a real problem for those people who can't afford to get the healthcare on their own. What's the solution? You know, how, how are we going to cope with that? How are injured parties supposed to cope with that if they don't have health insurance uh, here in Texas? You know, that's a good question. I don't, I don't expect um, these businesses to go out of business, but I do think that access to those types of medical clinics and medical facilities is going to be, become more restricted. I think some of them will go out of business and you'll see less and less of them. But, you know, a huge part of any reputable personal injury attorney's uh, uh, the practice is it's not just going to be 
focusing on the medical expenses that are incurred in the case. You know, when we look at a case, the medical bills are, are a very small part of it in many, many, many instances. What really matters to us and where we add value to a client's file is by helping understand what the client has lost beyond medical expenses. Things like the physical impairment and changes in their quality of life, what their future medical expenses are likely to be as a result of their injury. And we focus on the case as a whole and the bigger picture of the case and really uh, you know, try to quantify what those losses are in a meaningful way. And we've had a lot of success doing that in front of juries. And so we know how to handle a case even if the medical expenses are really small or even if we end up having to have a big fight with the auto insurance company about whether or not the medical expenses that our client has incurred are reasonable or for necessary medical expenses. If I could summarize that, I mean, I would, I would boil that down to the answer. The solution is uh, part one is good clients and part two is good lawyers. You know, we've had a lot of, uh, I think it's a huge compliment when doctors tell us that they really like our clients. Clients who have real injuries, they have a reason to be in court. You know, they are likable, credible, normal people, not this like idea of some super litigious person, but just a regular person dealing with some really unfortunate and preventable circumstances, uh, standing in court and asking for what's due under the law. That is the kind of client you want now. And, if, and you also have to have good lawyers who know how to build the case properly, how to put the scaffolding on it, and not just rely on the amount of the medical bills to get you there. You know, because I think that was, I hate to say there are bad lawyers out there, but we all know that there are some bad lawyering. And, and the bad lawyering is where you just take your medical bills into court and you hope the jury is going to give you some multiple of that. And that's just, you know, kind of like a wing and a prayer. Whereas what I'd, I'd like to think we do is really examine all of the harms and losses that a person has gone through. Really sink our teeth into it and understand it deeply, wear it on our sleeve, argue with emotional force for the jury to respond to it. And when you do that repeatedly with good clients and good lawyers, you end up with really good results, both in trial and in mediation. And when you keep getting good results, then the doctors are a lot more willing to say, you know what, I'll take a chance on this person. I'll treat them on credit. I might not get paid for two years, but I'm going to do it because I know this firm and I believe they have good clients who are going to have good results. And so um, it's kind of a partnership when you get into a, a, a relationship with a personal injury lawyer. And so it's, it's about picking good partners. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why uh, things have sort of gotten out of hand where, where the Supreme Court felt the need to intervene and the Texas legislature almost intervened is because there is a lot of abuse. Like in any industry, there's been a lot of abuse um, by bad acting doctors and some bad acting lawyers that allowed things to get out of hand. And so there's been a correction here now whether it's gone too far is sort of to be seen, you know, if it impairs a person's ability to have access to medical care, then that's the bigger problem. But, but Aaron, to your point, you know, part of the decision-making process, if you've been hurt by somebody else is getting informed, getting educated, understanding what your rights and options are. 
And you want to do that with a lawyer who's credible, who has a good reputation in their community, and who isn't going to take advantage of the healthcare system, let alone you. So, you know, being careful about who you're associating with and being thoughtful about who you choose to get advice from, uh, those are going to carry, carry you a long way uh, if, you're, if you're in the unfortunate position of having to look for an attorney. Very well said. And this has been another episode of Summary Judgment. We hope you enjoyed it. We certainly did. And this has been a great conversation with you, Josh. Uh, we will return next time with another fun topic.